I'm J.D. Gray. Today on Esha Voices, it's the story of a friendship. I don't think I have a friend quite like Ingrid. I think different people come into your lives and challenge you in different ways, and no one's challenged me in this area before. That area is cultural sensitivity. Ingrid DeSorms joined the rehabilitation unit of Bethesda Hospital in 2019, where Christy Miller works as the rehab supervisor. And in the time since, Christy says she's changed the way she's been able to address racial issues in and outside of the workplace. Today on the podcast, two SLPs join me for a conversation about race and the workplace and the role their friendship played in how they discuss this important subject. I'm J.D. Gray. This is ASHA Voices. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the Signature Series, a new collection of continuing education courses brought to you by ASHA's Special Interest Groups, or SIGs. Significant learning starts here. Learn more at on.asha.org slash signature series. We're turning our attention to two SLPs in Florida. Christy Miller and Ingrid DeSorms come from different backgrounds, but when they began working together at Bethesda Hospital in Florida, they shared meaningful conversations on race and racism, which is why we are speaking to them today. Christy is in a management position in the Inpatient Rehabilitation Center at the Bethesda Hospital in Florida, and Ingrid DeSorms currently works in admissions at St. Mary's Medical Center in Florida. Ingrid has also been a director of rehabilitation at a skilled nursing facility. In 2019, Ingrid worked as one of Christie's supervisees in the rehab unit at Bethesda Hospital. That's where our conversation begins. Christie speaks first. So I am a rehabilitation supervisor at a hospital with a rehab unit, and I am white. And Ingrid came on board in 2019 part-time to work mainly in acute care, but also in our inpatient rehab unit. We are down in South Florida, which is a, it's a fairly diverse place, but I think as we all know, the, the field of speech pathology doesn't tend to be as diverse as the population. And so when I brought Ingrid on board, she broadened my horizons and really has challenged me to learn more about others and how to be more culturally sensitive and never stop learning. So I applied to join the team of uh, Bethesda based off of a recommendation from somebody that I actually was trying to hire to work for me. Ingrid DeSorms. And I really enjoyed the energy that Chrissy and the rest of her staff gave me. And I was a really quick study and I really enjoyed the environment. I did notice that a majority of the speech language pathologists I worked with were white. And that was the first time I ever worked with other speech language pathologists. My entire career I've worked alone. So it was a very interesting experience for me to enter in being the only black professional speech language pathologist at the time. So I started to have an experience there of learning how to work with other professionals closely that already had a formal, strong relationship with each other because most of her staff were there for years. So I was out of step for not being there for years, and I was out of step from being in a different background. And so I infused my very big personality into that experience wholeheartedly, and that had some bumps in the road, but 
ultimately because I'm used to being in a predominantly white environment, I had the opportunity to be able to share my perspective with people that respected me for my professionalism and who I was. I was the same as them in the sense I was also a speech language pathologist. I wasn't a CNA. I wasn't a nurse. I was their coworker in their same discipline. And I was experienced in many years and in many places, and it allowed them to open themselves up. And that was what really allowed me to linger and connect in that experience. Could you tell me a little bit more about that experience coming in there? What types of places did you see race show up in your professional relationship with your new coworkers? I don't necessarily think it was about completely race per se in their perception. I do think that what I come from is a bit tougher in how I talk in language or how I might say things. There were instances of having interaction with coworkers like a, a PT at one time and even one of my SLP coworkers where I was deemed harsh in what I said or, or I spoke in a way that had an attitude or carried some type of air. And I didn't know really where they got that from. So those issues were dealt with directly and simply by Christy's wonderful guidance of talking to the therapists themselves individually and giving the different points of views and then getting to the root of, was it a perception thing? And that's why I really liked working for Christy because she always did identify that there was a different perception. She didn't necessarily see it the way I did at that time that maybe the perception was a sense a little bit on the biased side, but I didn't take it to heart. I just understood that this was a new experience for some of these professionals to work with my personality of being a black woman. But it resolved very nicely. And after the first initial bumps in the road, which were there, I never had another instance and nothing about my personality changed. It's just that they understood me better. Chrissy. We just heard Ingrid say that you did a good job of leading the team. Could you talk a little bit about, like, what was your strategy? I think it's important when anyone comes to you with something that happened, you always need to treat both people equally and hear them out. And I think I've just learned a lot over the years that Ingrid's perception isn't wrong. Anyone else's perception she was communicating wasn't wrong. We all bring our life experiences and our culture and our communication styles with us wherever we go. And sometimes they clash as much as our speech pathology team hasn't been as diverse as a lot of the other disciplines at our hospital. I still have to communicate with a lot of people from different cultures. And and it's still for me ongoing um, that I have to remind myself. And, you know, I have a coworker who, when I've given her feedback and and said in the moment that something she said to me came off a certain way, I I know that's her and she'll remind me that's the way she communicates, Um, but you just kind of have to learn each other's communication styles. Earlier this year, in June, and following the death of George Floyd and many other black people and the protests that followed, Ingrid wrote an article for the Leader website. It's called What Lies Beneath, What It Means to Be a Black SLP. In that article, Ingrid shares her story, and I asked her if she would be willing to read an excerpt from that article. We'll take a listen to that excerpt now. 
I'm struggling to inhale, to emotionally process everything that it means to be Black in America in its current state. At the time, I'm being asked to help my peers understand microaggressions and what I did to process those microaggressions. I believe in hard truths and honest discourse, so I am choosing to be as open and honest with my peers as I can. And that means to say, this may not be the best time. Now would be the time for anyone who doesn't understand the Black experience to do their own self-study and to push for understanding, not at the expense of a Black peer explaining it to you. You go on to write in that article, you say the real gift to me and your other Black peers is to try to understand and grow within yourself. This will not only be appreciated by me, your fellow clinician, but by every patient you have that doesn't look the same as you, every patient with black skin. We talk a lot about person-centered care. Do you think this should be included more often as a part of that conversation? I do. I feel people live a lot within their own experience of a situation. And Chrissy, like I said, is excellent at being a wonderful listener to both perspectives and finding a nice rich center. I do think we all have that capability within ourselves as well to have a level of consideration that our experience in something is really just our perception. And it is our duty to take the time to understand what somebody else might be meaning when they're talking to us or engaging with us or sharing something at their point of view and understand that it may be, you may be walking into something that's immediately different than what you perceived. So I think we all should hold that responsibility within ourselves first. I read a comment recently that someone said, I think we've done enough celebrating the diversity, but you know, kind of let's get to the inclusion part. And I think a lot about the inclusion part and I don't, I don't think the diversity part is hard. It's the inclusion that you really is when people get the buy-in and they feel like they belong and they feel engaged. Chris, when you're differentiating here, diversity and inclusion in your mind, how do you see those two things as different? Diversity would be just having people of different race, cultures, sex, religions, you know, just employing them. But inclusion would be everyone there feels like they're included in decisions and that their opinions are important. And then there's even, you know, the concept of equity, that everyone's opinions are equal to each other, that everyone has the same power. So when I think about the inclusion part of it, I guess for me as a manager, I think it takes time. And the the word that really comes to me a lot of times is trust. You just got to be willing to put in the work to get to know the person so they know they can trust you to show them, to show their true selves, um, which is just really, really important part of having an engaged workforce is that people feel safe to be their true selves and bring it to work. You're saying that you think a part of your job as a manager is to make sure the people that you're supervising trust you. How do you build that trust? (sighs) It's a lot of work. You know, I have somewhere between 45 and 50 people but I've had someone be like, oh, that must be so hard, not that assuming that I don't know them. And, you know, there are some staff who mainly work weekends and I, I don't get to see them regularly, but I do feel like I know them all. And I think it a lot of people just giving them time, um, being willing to talk to them, ask their opinions. If they 
tell you something? Do you follow up with it? Do you take them seriously? Do you ask follow-up questions? Do you make sure there's not a perception of favoritism? I want to highlight some of Ash's resources, including the work of the Office of Multicultural Affairs, or OMA. You can go to asha.org and search for the word multicultural. By doing a quick search, you'll find many resources to help further develop your cultural competency. And you can visit thatsunheardof.org. The award-winning ASHA project features a variety of tools to enhance your soft skills while helping you manage your practice and develop effective treatment plans. Find them at thatsunheardof.org. We're taking a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Ingrid and Christy. We'll talk about the ways their friendship served them, and I bring them a few questions they weren't expecting. Support for Asha Voices comes from the Signature Series, a new collection of continuing education courses brought to you by ASHA's Special Interest Groups, or SIGs. Many of the courses explore culturally responsive practice and practicing in a pandemic. You'll walk away with expert insights and practical takeaways you can apply immediately. SIG affiliates get significant discounts on all the courses through November 30th. Learn more at on.asha.org slash signature series. We're going to return to our conversation where we're jumping back in. Ingrid is beginning to share the role and influence her friendship with Christy has played in her life. I think the intimacy of my relationship with Christy as a friend at work is something that changed the ability to have open conversations about race in the workplace. And in general, people have a tendency to be more distant in their experience with race by seeing it on TV, listening to the music, understanding it in concepts and books, but having an actual intimate relationship where you are exactly who you are and speaking truly within your own lack of understanding or and being interested and actually investing in that space is really what turns the tide from being a person that just wants to create equality and becomes or or thinks that everybody's equal and considers that equality should be the case and turns that person really into a, a human being that recognizes there are flaws here. I make it my 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 mission as a person who doesn't understand anything about your world to do so because you live in the same country I've lived in and I don't understand anything about you and you understand everything about me. And I don't think that's fair. And I think that's what's really beautiful about Christy and I's relationship in that space. I make everyone come into the intimate space that is black in any and every environment. I literally speak about blackness on a daily basis and make people experience it because that is what the black community does to some degree. I'm a Haitian, but I'm also, you know, affiliated in perception as a black person in America, as an African-American. And I speak with mainstream American English. So these are all things that I'm navigating through in these environments that I move in because I have to. I'm not sure that Chrissy has that same experience, but her being my friend, she might see that. She might see how well I move through those things. She might come with me to a Haitian restaurant 
she might see what it's like for me to go to, you know, a, a, a black environment where I'm just speaking to black people full on. And those exposures, that intimacy, that experience, as uncomfortable as they are, it allows people to really start to involve themselves in why America has this huge cultural separation when we've been here together the whole time. The whole time. Black people have never been hidden in this country. We've been here the whole time. But Black people always understand white America much better because we're intimately invested. We go to white jobs. We have white bosses. We have white peers. We're intimately invested in those worlds. To have the reciprocity of somebody being interested in ours in a true intimate way is where I see change being feasible and where I think everyone at the workplace can talk about not only did, you know, my white coworker and I, oh, we got engaged, we had a baby, but my black coworker went to a Beyonce concert <laughs> and she felt powerful and amazing about it. And it's in those spaces that you start to see the coming together and the bridging of differences. Christy, if you could talk a little bit about, about the role your friendship uh, with Ingrid has played for you. I, I don't think I have a friend quite like Ingrid. I think different people come into your lives and challenge you in different ways. And no one's challenged me in this area before. And I'm, I'm very fortunate because when she came into my world is when I took on a more diverse staff. Um, so I, I think a lot of people sit in where they're comfortable and first you have to realize that you're sitting in this place that's comfortable. And sometimes when someone shows you that mirror, some people don't like it and they feel uncomfortable and they become fearful. And I think that's when you also see a lot of anger. Um, and people need to push through the fear and the anger before they get to the part where they start exploring and they're willing to learn. We could have more conversations about race, you know, even in the workplace, but people just need to be ready for it. And I think that's the hard part because you have to also feel people out to see where they are in their comfort about having that conversation. In the November-December issue of the Ashley Leader magazine, there's an article featuring both of you where you ask each other questions about your views and experiences navigating race. Ingrid, you ask Christy, why do you feel it is important to discuss race bias and perspective breakdowns in the workplace? And I'm going to kind of flip the script here. I'd, I'd like for you to answer that question, and then we'll, we'll hear Christy answer it as well. So, uh, Ingrid, if you don't mind maybe just sharing, like, why is that important to discuss race bias and perspective breakdown in the workplace? I think because it's such an undercurrent in society that it should be something that people easily can engage in when they feel it, experience it, process it. I feel the idea of tiptoeing around something that people talk about freely in their separate homes makes it a dirty little secret instead of a reality of our society. Ultimately, we are all aware to some degree of the differences between experiences of individuals, even if we're all the same. But there's differences between us, which is race, and that has always been present. And yet we choose not to talk about it to preserve the idea of equality. And so it continues to remain a prevalent, unspoken reality. It is the elephant in the room. 
And the more you discuss and engage in these conversations, the less it becomes just what Black people are saying to advance themselves, be victims, all of that, and just recognize, no, that's been a regular and persistent and present and constant always across the entire time of this nation thing. And we speak on it as though it's normal because it's always been part of the society, the less we find challenges in having those exchanges honestly and without hurt feelings and without feeling personally attacked or frustrated or like it needs to just immediately go away. It is what it is and we should speak about it like it is what it is. Christy, we're going to have your full answer in the November-December, but I also wanted to give uh, a chance for you to, to share an answer to that question as well. Why do you feel it's important to discuss race, bias, and perspective breakdowns in the workplace? If you don't feel safe at work, you can't be your true self and do really put yourself into the work you're doing. And for us, that's taking care of our patients. And we cannot do a good job taking care of our patients if we don't feel safe at work. And yes, there's the concept of, you know, physical safety. Is there enough security? Is there enough PPE? But for people who have experienced racism through their entire life, there is a perception of safety um, that they have to consider that has to do with their race. And it's something I don't have to think about all day. But my employee that's Black that comes to work, they still bring that with them to work. It doesn't go away just because they came inside the hospital. Christy, um... You ask Ingrid, a lot has happened in the world since you came to work with me in February 2019, and we have had a lot of open conversations about race and the role it can play in the workplace. You ask, what is the biggest difference you see in me as a manager in terms of my ability to address racial issues in and outside the workplace since you joined our team? Christy, I want to switch this. This was your question, but I want to know, how do you think you've changed in terms of your ability to address racial issues in and outside of the workplace? I think I'm a lot more comfortable with conversations, being willing to redirect things and question things people say. And I think, you know, when we talk about racism, people think it has to be an overt act. And we need to think more of those things that maybe aren't as obvious and we let them go and we don't stand up for others. And as far as the workplace goes, I think I'm having more one-to-one conversations when I'm talking with staff one-to-one about let's consider where this person's coming from or um, if someone was feeling hurt about the way someone spoke to them and me educating them on it's not personal. They really weren't angry with you. Um, I know that's how you perceived it, but that was not their intention. So I guess more it's like the comfort level, I guess, is what's grown the most. What do you mean by the comfort level? The comfort level of being willing to have the conversations with other people. Because I think most of us avoid conversations if we don't feel comfortable or knowledgeable enough to have them. So when you start exploring more and being willing to open yourself up to it, then you feel more comfortable engaging other people with conversations about race. Ingrid, I want to ask you a similar question. You've outlined for us of your relationship with race in America as someone with a Haitian background, uh, as a Black person in America. 
But I want to know in the past couple of years, if you see that your either perception or your ability to address race in some way has changed either in the workplace or outside of the workplace. No, it has not changed. (laughs) And I say that because it isn't it is it isn't necessary to change. It's only necessary to accept and engage. And I was always very comfortable in accepting that people had no idea what it means to be Ingrid DeSorms, Haitian, Black, American, walking into the room, being in the space. I always knew I was a little bit different. And so no one's going to understand that. I think The thing I've shifted is that I no longer just keep it at a level of recommending what you should read or recommending what you should watch, or I also offer my whole experience as a human being to that person's personal growth, including my patients. My patients and I talk about my personal life. What's it like to date as this person? What's it like to be perceived by your boss as this person? What's it like to be in the world? I share these intimate things with patients. So they share what their intimate spaces are. And we find that we all are human beings that have these shared spaces of not feeling quite right in the world. Because I do think that's what my target is. As much as we focus on understanding the system that we're in that has built racism as the center focus, I do understand that that isn't the center focus. It's just recognizing that people are different, the end. My experience is not the whole experience. Us being similar doesn't make us the same. And I have to shift as a human being how I approach and engage people around me, which requires me understanding that it's about intimately involving myself in their point of view and them intimately involving themselves with me. And so that's the active shift in me is increasing the intimacy of that. I want to thank both of you so much for the time that you shared with me in this conversation. Christy, Ingrid, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To see all the questions that Christy had for Ingrid and the questions that Ingrid had for Christy, check out the November-December issue of the ASHA Leader magazine. It will be featured online at leader.pubs.asha.org. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the Signature Series, a new collection of courses covering the spectrum of audiology and speech-language pathology practice. Significant learning starts here. Learn more at on.asha.org slash signature series. Production assistance for ASHA Voices comes from Pamela Lawrence. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.